So let's look at why nab you need a budget. Well, let's talk about their four rules and then kind of superimpose those on top of our principles and see if there's anything that lines up and see if there's anything that doesn't line up. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo, and in this episode of Getting Money Right, we're going to talk about budgeting software, and specifically, we're going to look at YNAB. You need a budget. Y-N-A-B. You need a budget. And see if YNAB gives you the ability to fully follow the four principles of a budget. Mm -hmm. So last week we talked about the yearly budget tool on leosebo.com that we give you for free and we showed how it aligns with the four principles of a budget. And in this episode, we're going to look at YNAB. We're going to see if it fits those principles. Yes, and we introduced these four principles a couple of episodes ago so that we would give you guys a structure and really just the foundation for how to make sure that the budget you're using is giving you the full ability that a budget should, which is to help you to manage your money well, to build a margin, to invest wisely. The, you know, the four steps to purposeful living still apply here, right, David? I mean, we want people to spend on purpose, to save before they spend, to build margin, and then invest wisely. But a budget is the way we get there, right? A budget allows us to recognize if there's a margin or not, and then eventually get there. So ultimately, these four principles are we believe, foundational to a budget. And if they're not in there, it's not that you can't budget. I just think that you are limiting yourself to that full potential that a budget can allow you to do and being able to have these four steps to purposeful living actually implemented. Yep. So the four principles are A, to assign every dollar, and that's ahead of time, a zero-based budget. Mm -hmm. Number two is to arrange every expense, right. arrange them into categories. There should be seven to nine main categories plus subcategories. Then allocate it evenly. So that means that there's going to be some surpluses and deficits in different categories that roll over. You're looking at an annual view, not just monthly. You need to allocate it evenly across the year. And then adjust as necessary, meaning that you track your expenses. And then as income changes, as priorities change, then you begin to make structural adjustments to your overall budget. So assign arrange, allocate, and adjust. Yes. Well, I remember, David, that last week you did an informal survey to ask people what they were using for their budgeting software, whether it was in Excel, whether it was YNAB, and the different ones that they responded to. And that response, I think we had, what, 25 last time? But that continued to grow over the next few days. So why don't you share where are we with those results? Because I think they, they actually tell a really good story of where people are and potentially will help our listeners with where they might be going with their own budget. Yeah, I love that. So we had week one, we had 25 total responses and a third of them pointed to Excel mm -hmm. being the major focus of what people are currently using as a tool. Right. But this week, we have now a total of 142 responses, which cool. I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, very cool. I think that we're getting to something that's a little bit more statistically accurate across the board. And so out of 142, 
64 hmm. said that they were using Excel as their primary budgeting tool. Now, that means that 45% of all the respondents said Excel was their number one primary budgeting tool, which, again, goes back to something that we talked about. People like to have a little control. They like to be able to build it, create it, edit it. Um, Excel is clearly... And, and when I say Excel... For Mac users, it was numbers. Uh, for people who didn't have you know, the software on their computer, they use Google Sheets. But when I say Excel, I'm, I'm including numbers in Google Sheets, anything that is in that uh, you know, Excel category. Spreadsheet type. Spreadsheet, that's budget. right. Yep. Uh, then every dollar and YNAB both had 19 users, so they were tied for second. Every dollar so and So 19 YNAB, each. 19 each, okay. yep. So they, they were both 13%, 13% for YNAB, 13% were using every dollar uh, then mint had 12 hmm. and then paper just using paper was 11 um, into it software like quicken and quickbooks was eight now i combined quicken and quickbooks uh, one is more business oriented one is more personal finance oriented mm -hmm. but i just combined them for a total of eight and then uh, and mint is actually an intuit software as well but i'd put that in a different category and then in my head was seven and envelopes was two now hang on a second in my head is not a software <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not the name of a software these are folks whose respondents said i managed my budget in my head just yep. wanted to clarify that so somebody's not out there looking for software in my head. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think that a lot of people probably have even it on paper or in Excel, but then they actually do their their tracking and monthly operation in their head. Yeah. And so I that think that sense. probably there's even more people doing it in their head than necessarily admitted to it. Um, but I do see that, you know, seven people said, Hey, I don't have any kind of software. I just do it all in my head. Yep. Uh, then there were just a few funny answers. So Linda M she wrote in and just said, you know, what's my budgeting tool? My husband. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Linda. Yeah. Thank you, Linda. And then, uh, I saw one person that said they were using Microsoft money, mm. which is a software that Microsoft discontinued like 10 years ago. Yeah. Hey, I used to have it. Hey, it there was you go. one of my favorites. Yes. Honestly, yes. back in the day, it was the thing to run off of. So, so this guy actually has maintained the old operating system on <laughs> yeah. his computer so yep. that that old software from over 10 years ago would still, still work, work on his computer. Mm -hmm. I and mean, that's crazy. He has like a separate computer with an old operating system. Like think of DOS. Like think of, you know, like what is your operating system that allows you to run certain softwares? He's maintained an old computer with an old software or an old <laughs> operating system just for Microsoft money. You know, I laugh because I actually did the same thing for many years because I had MS Money on mine and it was an old computer, you know, the the big screen thing that weighed like 30 pounds and the tower and all of that. But the reason I kept it, even though we were buying like laptops and newer computers uh, after that, I kept it for about, I would say five to 10 years because we were working on paying off our house. Mm. And that software had a feature where you can plug in what your balance was, what your interest rate was. This is before, you know, well, pretty much any uh, bank, because today you can actually find that you can go to online calculators for anything. But back then, that wasn't the issue. Yeah, so, have an amortization schedule exactly. that would that would allow you to put in extra payment. Exactly. So this one told us the day we're going to be debt-free oh, with our house. God. So I hung on to it until I paid off the house, which is in 2008. Yeah. So, wow. So, so yeah, that was, that's, so I, I laughed because I, I could definitely get this guy out. 
Yeah. He's committed. So a huge <laughs> shout out to Richard uh, R., who was the one doing that. And we love you, man. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And then one other person, Greg R., he, he wrote in and said, what's my budgeting tool? Prayer. <laughs> <laughs> he just went up like basically a, a whim and a prayer, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't laugh. That's not funny. <laughs> no, that's, that's trouble. That's trouble right there. Uh, so then there's a few other budget apps that got mentioned. They had like one vote. You know, one person was using it. One called Fudget. I've not heard of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Four seat, I'm guessing, or like F-O receipt, faux receipt. I'm not really sure uh, how to pronounce it, but there's faux receipt uh, insights from Regions Bank. One person was a Regions Bank user, and they have a software internally called Insight that they loved. They said it's hmm. changed their life. Wow. Um, Microsoft Money, and then the Pocket Guard app. So just a few, you know, other ones. But out of 142 people, that's all the data. I yeah. think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I just love the the fact that uh, the group, at least the group that you have polled, your friends who obviously are somewhat budget minded. Uh, that they're using some of the software that we are already familiar with. But I was really surprised to see that 45% use Excel, to be honest. Mm -hmm, I think in my mind, just because I've been in this world for so long, I've been seeing people gravitate away from Excel thinking, you know, the newer apps are coming out are what people are seeking and more than likely are walking away from Excel because it's too much work, too much manual labor, too much, you know, if you're not familiar with it, of course, it's a lot harder to use. So I'm surprised by that. In mm-hmm. a good way, I think people obviously want to manage their money very specifically and want to build it in a way that makes sense to them. And Excel does give you that opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you add in Excel and paper and in my head, uh, you're looking at about 60% of people mm-hmm. doing it that way. Yeah. And then about 40% of people actually using some kind of software or app uh, from our results so far out yeah. of 142 people. So just pretty well, interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. And I think as we go through some of the software we're going to cover over the next two, three episodes, I think that we'll kind of open our eyes why that is. Some software that we're going to go through, you'll find some really great features and some have some limitations that are really hard to kind of swallow and go through and still use them knowing that it has some limitations. So maybe that's where some of the hesitation for apps to really be the go-to uh, software for for financial uh, budgeting is such a so, so low at yep. this point anyway. So hopefully they'll improve over time and get better. That's right. And today we're talking about YNAB. But before we get there, because we had so many people that are using Excel currently, uh, we did want to just offer a few warnings, mm. a few things to be aware of, because we know and we've actually sat down with um, hundreds of people over the years that have <laughs> yeah. have said, oh, I have a budget. I have I have. Look, look at my budget it's in Excel or look at my budget. It's on paper. And it was a static budget. It was something that wasn't actually being used consistently. It was like one time they had put together an overall plan, put it on the shelf, walked away. Yeah. This is this is one of the scary parts of something like Excel is that you can even forget it's on your computer and like, like oh no, I have a plan somewhere and it's like three years outdated. <laughs> Another thing that I've seen is usually the person who does the Excel, and a lot of times, majority of the time, it's the guy in the relationship if it's a marriage and he knows what's going on with it and he plays with it and he's got this elaborate plan that's got 90 different sheets but the wife is nowhere at all engaged with it and like you said it's a static budget they show it to me but i'm like okay where do you track your actual expenses that can compare to your actual plan how do you know if your plan is working and there's not a connection between the day-to-day expenses and the actual plan. And this is the biggest thing that we want you guys to hear. If you have something like that, you have to take one additional step. 
or embrace a different Excel spreadsheet or, or, or an app or something that allows you then to take that everyday tracking so that you can connect that to your actual budget because you're creating a budget that says, this is what I want to do. And then you have to go out there and do it. And if you have no way of doing it based on that plan, you're just doing it and then come back to the budget and you realize you're way off, then there's a disconnect. And that's our biggest concern for people who are in Excel, that they feel a sense of security that they have a plan, but they're not connecting that plan to their everyday decisions. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to use an Excel, like Leo said, sometimes one individual in a, in a married couple will be doing all the work mm -hmm. and fully understand it. And the other person will have no idea what's happening. Right. They look at that and they get overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. And so really, ideally, the most important thing you can do is sit down together from scratch. And if that means you have to start in Excel at zero and start from zero and build a new Excel sheet together so that yep. each person is hands-on with it, that's what Ashley and I had to do. I had an Excel sheet before getting married. We got married and she said, I'm not using that. It looks crazy. I don't understand it. It's your budget. Yep. So now you know, we, we sat down she actually typed out the budget in Excel and with me right next to her, but mm -hmm. then she had ownership of it. So yeah. not just ownership, but she mm -hmm. was able then to understand mm -hmm. what the plan was, how it's laid out, what the numbers mean, right. how you got there rather than, you know, think of it this way. If I were to come to you and work with you and I got all of your information, mm -hmm. you know, you gave me all of your receipts and I created a plan for you and it was elaborate, and it was fancy, and it looked great, and I handed it off to you, you'd have to figure out, what did I just do here? Right. Like, what what did Leo give me? How, how are these categories set up? Do they make sense to me? You would have to learn it, rather than me sitting down with you and helping you build it. If I build it for you, there's a huge step you have to overcome, and that's taking what I've given you and making sense of it and then using it. Mm -hmm. And so if you put yourself in the shoes of the spouse who's not involved, that's how they feel. They feel like the information is not clear to them. Right. And so most of the time there's a resistance to it. And that's where usually the, the money fights come in because you're, you as an Excel guy, you're like, what's the problem? It's right there. You told you, you only have $50 to spend. Why did you go over? Well, because they really don't have ownership and they don't really want to cooperate with it. That's it's right. not theirs. You have to understand that. It's better to be in unity and if that means that you have to switch to a brand new software that you both learn from scratch, hey, that's great. I'd rather have you in Unity on a software that doesn't do every single feature in the world than have you in disunity and have a perfectly articulated, massive, detailed Excel sheet that you know fully, but maybe your spouse doesn't understand it all. Mm -hmm. The unity is key. So, all right, let's make sure that when you do an Excel sheet, it incorporates the four principles. Right. One, that it assigns every dollar, that it arranges every expense into those categories, into those buckets, that you allow it to allocate evenly across a year, and that sometimes uh, you, you're going to overspend a little bit in clothing, but the next month it's going to even back out because you're going to put some money back into that category, mm -hmm. and it's going to be okay. And then finally that you can adjust it as necessary, which if you go to the leosabo.com yearly budget tool, it allows you to do all four of those things. And mm -hmm. we talked about that in the last episode. So that's where we want to point you as a starting place. A lot of times, if you don't have a budget, it's free, it's easy to use, and it does the four budgeting principles. Now, the negatives 
are that it's all manual entry when you're in Excel. Uh, it's not tied directly to your bank accounts. So you don't, you're running off of the Excel sheet. You're not running off of what's in your bank. And then there isn't any handholding. You know, there's not going to be somebody you can call or watch a video to learn additional features of the tool. There's a video that starts you off, mm -hmm. but there's not going to be long-term handholding because it's not a paid product. Right. And then uh, Excel is editable. Our tool is editable. But if you make a mistake or you, you change out a formula, you delete a formula, it could mess up some other things. So you have to be a little bit cautious of that. And I think the biggest negative right now for a lot of people, especially moving into the next generation of budgeting, is that it's not on your phone. Yeah. And a lot of people love to be able to track in the moment as soon as they do an expense. You could do an Excel sheet on your phone. But it is so not user-friendly. And yeah. this is where the apps come in. And this is where we want to look at YNAB. Is YNAB the solution to this situation? Yeah. You just said something that I really want to emphasize is budgeting should be simple to do. But I will say that it does require some level of effort. So whether that's you doing Excel and manually entering the information or using an app, either way, you're going to have to keep on top of it. So we don't want to tell you that you can find a software out there that will do it all for you and you just don't ever have to, ever have to look at it. That's not the case. I think the reason a lot of folks gravitate to Excel, David, is because they do want to be in control of it. They want to feel a sense of confidence that they're managing the money well. An app can help you to do that as long as it incorporates these four principles we've talked about and it gives you the ability to reach your goals and to move forward. But again, we can't we cannot emphasize this enough. You're going to have to do the work. This is not going to be done for you. What, regardless of what software you use, recognize this discipline involved in managing money well, that there's choices you need to make. And a budget just allows you to be honest about that, to prioritize the things that you care about, and deprioritize the things you don't care about. Spend less money on those. Spend more money on the things you care about. That's right. So let's look at YNAB. You need a budget. And YNAB has four rules. And so they have a philosophy the same way that Leo and I have a philosophy of budgeting. Mm -hmm. Our four principles that we've listed several times. Well, let's talk about their four rules and then kind of superimpose those on top of our principles and see if there's anything that lines up and see if there's anything that doesn't line up. And that will give us an idea of how this fits into your overall budgeting journey. So first, and, and I will say this, I love YNAB and the creators and the heart of everything that they've done to help people budget. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to see some of these rules and think, hey, that's a good rule. That's pretty cool. And I love it. So first is to give every dollar a job. Uh, that is the same as assigning every dollar, yeah. right? Yeah. You're giving it a job. You're prioritizing the dollars as they come in and putting them right along your plan. And then you follow the plan. That is rule number one for YNAB. Give every dollar a job. Yeah. All right, so rule number two is embrace your true expenses. And this is talking about finding any big infrequent expenses. Sometimes you you and I, David, would call that those non-monthly expenses that happen maybe once a year or maybe more frequent, but not on a monthly basis. And what they allow you to do through this rule number two is to create goals in order to embrace those true expenses. It allows you to look at what you're actually spending, identify things when they happen that you hadn't planned for. It's not part of your budget. It's that once a year expense. And then create a goal around it. So for instance, let's use Christmas as an example. You know Christmas is in December. You're going to buy gifts up to you know December 25th, obviously. What this allows you to do is say, okay, I'm buying for 10 people. 
I'm going to spend $50 on every person. That's $500 that I have to put aside for Christmas. So I need to have that by December. So now knowing that you need to set aside $500, now you can put a monthly amount, divide that by 12, put a monthly amount in that goal. And every month it's giving you a running record of where you are in that goal. Are you meeting it? Are you under the goal? Are you exceeding it? So I think that's a great feature. Plus it, again, allows you to identify something uh, that's not happening every single month. Now, here's the issue I have with the rule though. I do believe that it's important to look at the expenses that you're recording and learn from them. Allow those to help you to budget better, to identify those priorities and make sure that you're actually assigning the right amount of money to it. My problem is if I can only do that through goals or if that's the way this rule guides me to go, I might have too many goals. And personally, if I have more than three goals, it feels like everything is a goal and mm -hmm. then therefore nothing is a goal. So I kind of lose interest. I need to focus on one or two at the max three things at a time. So I believe that if you're going to identify more than three goals, then my recommendation is just turn it into a category or a subcategory. Just name it, say, hey, Christmas, $50 a month for the next 12 months. And that way you don't get the feature for the goal, but then you don't have all these goals that right. you're trying to meet. Right. Yeah. I, you know, in my budget, I've got a giving category mm -hmm. and I've got a subcategory of Christmas. Right. And it's just built in every month where a certain amount of money goes into that little subcategory yep. so that when Christmas comes around, I have money for Christmas. But I don't call that a goal. Right. It's just a part of my normal monthly budget plan. Yeah, it's, it's an expense that's going to be down the road. Right. So if you call Christmas a goal and you call, you know, your house taxes a goal and you call, you know, car replacement a goal and you call, you know, if you call 20 things a goal, yeah. then all of a sudden it's like you don't really feel like you're getting to focus on three highlighted primary. This is my next thing. This is what I'm saving for. A lot of stuff should just simply be categories in your budget. Mm -hmm. We have a car replacement category. It's not some lofty goal we're trying to match or mm -hmm. get to. It's literally like, okay, if I put 200 bucks a month away for a car replacement, at the end of the year, I've got 2400 At the end of two years, I've got 4800 right. yeah, At the end of three years, 7200 So it, I don't I don't consider that like, oh, we arrived at the goal of car replacement. Um, we, it's, it's not, simply a category. No. And the other thing about most of these goals really aren't goals because they're just an ongoing category. For Christmas, every year I have that expense. Mm -hmm. So it's not a goal of $1,200 to have by Christmas necessarily. It's I need to allocate for Christmas gifts right? pretty much all the time. Now, I'm not going to spend it all the time. I'm only spending it once a year, but it's easier for me. Now, some people may choose to do it differently, and that's okay. As long as you're not ignoring the fact that expense is mm -hmm. coming, I don't care how you fund it. Fund it in a way that makes sense to you. The way YNAB is recommending you do that is, and again, the heart behind it is don't be caught by surprise uh, and don't um, not manage your money on purpose. They want to make sure that you're looking at everything, and when you're identifying something that you didn't include in that monthly budget, then you can make a plan for it. And this is their way of doing it. But you have the option in the app to do it two different ways. You can build a category or you can build a goal. Either way, you're going to fund it every month. So mm -hmm. I think that's a great feature.
Yep. I love that. Cool. Well, then the next one, let's go back again through rule number one, give every dollar a job. We love that. Rule two, embrace your true expenses. We love the heart of that, that you should be looking at what you're actually spending. Mm -hmm. But then the language of goals versus category gets a little confusing for us. Just a bit. Um, It can be worked around, but it's a little confusing for us. Then roll with the punches. This is number three. It's their third rule. And basically choose a category where maybe you've overspent and then move funds from another category to cover it. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Um, And then they say, hey, move on with your life. No guilt. Mm -hmm. Now, for us, we don't want you to feel guilt. No. (laughs) We don't want you to feel like you've, you've failed if you have to move money from one category to another. But this is where we talk about adjusting your budget. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and allocating it evenly across of a year so that if you overspend a little bit one month, you don't necessarily have to steal from another category. Mm-hmm. You simply know that, okay, overspent this month, next month I'm going to underspend in this same category. We're actually saying instead of robbing other categories, you should be simply pulling from the next month of this same category so that you learn to spend less because you've already overspent in that category. Right. If you just steal from another category, let's say that I, I need a car repair and I steal from Christmas gifts. Well, the next month, all of a sudden I have all my money back in my car repair, but I don't have all my money back in my Christmas gifts category. Yep. I've stolen from it and I didn't replenish it. What, what we're looking at is that over time, if you realize that you keep stealing from a category, you keep overspending, you have to make a structural adjustment to your budget. You right. have to change and increase that category to a higher number. But if you just steal from another category and you walk away with no guilt, that feels a little uncomfortable for Leo and I over time because you're not learning discipline. Right. And that's the whole point. We, you have to learn from what you're doing. You're tracking of your expenses and looking at what you've done this month, next month, the month after, should, over time, it should become a budget that's easy for you to maintain. Mm-hmm. If it's consistently difficult and you're moving money around all the time, that's not a good budget. And, and honestly, I don't know how many people will continue to do a budget like that. You get that. worn out. Yeah, because it, you it say, just gets oh, to the it's point, not working. Yeah, you get to the point where you're like, this doesn't really work. It might work for somebody else, but you know what? I was happy not looking at the numbers. Now I'm always stressed out. And I'd rather just go back to being ignorant about my money. But the reality is the software has the right features in place. Really, honestly, what they want you to do is to not allow a mistake to keep you from go- keep going. Mm-hmm. Right? The they heart want- is good. Yeah, right. the heart is very good. And I love the idea of roll with the punches. Hey, you made a mistake. No big deal. Move forward. Mm-hmm. But move forward in a way that helps you to avoid the mistake in the future. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be perfect. and It's going to take time. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago that it takes six months or more to get comfortable. But that six months, you're learning, you're adjusting, you're getting to the point where you're massaging that budget into a place where you're like, I can maintain this thing very easily now. There's not a lot of upheaval, a lot of movement around. It's pretty steady. And that's where it should go, you know, 12 months down the road, you should be there. Yep. Now their fourth rule is to age your money. And so they say that you should be purposeful with your spending, that you should consistently spend less than you earn. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, wonderful things. Uh, And then you should watch the age of your money grow. And, And then they have a little category in the budget tool that says what the age of your money is. And for the life of me personally, I can't figure out exactly what it means. So yeah, it's a bit confusing. Rule, I don't I don't fully understand it. Maybe I need to go read the blog about it or watch a YouTube video on it. I don't fully understand what aging your money means other than maybe it can 
kind of fits into your savings in some way, but I'm, I'm honestly, personally, I'm just not sure. I hate to say that. <laughs> so I'll give you a bit of background because I, I got connected with YNAB uh, over 11 years ago and they had the same rule, but they called it something different. They called it spend last month's money this month. And the heart behind that was if you can build a cushion of one month's worth of income in your budget, then you never have to worry about bouncing checks, having any overdrafts, being stressed out about a bill. If you go over a little bit, you got the cushion. So it was this idea that, hey, not only do you roll with the punches, but if you consistently earn more and spend less, then that margin is going to increase. So eventually you'll have a whole full month's worth of, of income set aside to live off of. And while the money's coming in for this month, you've got all the money from last month. So it just creates this freedom of anxiety around your financial choices. But there's a problem with it. And the problem is that if I overspend that money, then I'm not really budgeting properly, right? So just because I have the money in the bank, it doesn't mean I should overspend in a certain category. So aging your money, the idea behind this is that if you consistently spend less than you earn, then you're going to build a cushion. And you should build that cushion as much as you can. It's a bit squishy to me. Like, well, what's the purpose of that? I mean, if I don't specifically say this money goes to that purpose, then that money is, in my mind, free to be spent You're and not, use in any way I want. Yeah. And I might be tempted to do something that I probably shouldn't. Or, You're not assigning every dollar. You're not you're yes. not giving it a name and assigning that dollar. And that's where it's a struggle for Leo and I is because you've got, let's say you have a month of income is $3,000. You have $3,000 that may be just kind of floating out there. Mm -hmm. And it feels like, okay, that's not really been assigned to anything. Right. Now, I will say this, the idea of living on last month's income yeah. this month, that is something that Ashley and I absolutely do. And yes. we love it. So uh, right now, you know, we're in May and we have accumulated our paycheck. We, we get paid twice a month. And so we got an April 15th paycheck and an April 30th paycheck. Mm -hmm. We let that sit in our checking account. And now that it's May... We have all that money ready to spend in May. Yeah. And so we're not living paycheck to paycheck. We're one month ahead. And I do love this concept. Yes. The concept is great. Where it feels a little funky with this is that is that it almost encourages you in the YNAB process to say, oh, because you're a month ahead, if you ever spend 500 bucks, yeah, no big okay. deal. Yeah. And we just want to make sure that that discipline is, is linked back into this process. Yeah, and I'm not sure why they went in that direction because I remember early on, in, even in the version four, which I still use, they did not promote that necessarily. I mean, they wanted you to get to a place where you're very specifically managing your money they didn't want you to have that cushion because they didn't want you to be stressed out or bounce checks because that would obviously have some consequences. But this idea of aging your money, it's almost like there's no end to it. Like you can literally just keep building, 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 and you, you can have, you know, 600 days of aged money, which means, gosh, that's two years worth of income. Now I can just sit and spend that money. It's kind of ambiguous. I don't really understand the purpose of it because I personally would just want to take that money and move it into savings or right. send it to wherever I need, whatever I need to Give accomplish what I'm trying to do. You would want to assign those dollars yeah. into a savings category like your emergency fund. Or if you had a huge emergency fund and you had your next couple savings goals fulfilled, you'd want to move that money into an investment account right. and you'd want to invest right. it long-term. Right. So again, there's not a, it's a budgeting software. It's not an investment software. It's not leading you to do more than just manage your month to month income. The good thing about YNAB is that it has all the features to accomplish these four things we're talking about. Mm -hmm. 
you'll have to kind of think about it differently than they do. So I don't follow their four rules, but I do use their software, not the current one, the one I paid for that I still find useful. Uh, and I hope I could use that for many years. But my point is you can use the software very effectively. The one feature I don't like, I totally do not like, which is this. Every month, you can only look at that month's budget. You cannot, mm -hmm. you do not have the ability now, you used to, but you don't have the ability to look at multiple months. Now, you can still enter your budget for every month from now until the end of the year, which is a good thing. You'll just have to scroll through each month, which is easy enough to do. So you should allocate evenly, as we talked about, allocate it evenly all the way to the end of the year. But if you are averaging expenses for, let's say, utilities, uh, vacation, different things, right? And you go over, it will not allow that negative balance to carry over because it's using the envelope system. So once you're out of money, it says, hey, you're out of money. You're going to have to figure it out. You you're, have to pull from you, another category. Exactly. Yeah. So, and again, this goes, goes along with their methodology, which is roll with the punches and move your money around to get through to the next month. So the problem I have with that is I don't want to steal from another category. I want to make sure that this balance that I've decided to use for the whole year, the $1,200, $100 per month, that I stick to that. And if I went over by $20 this month, next month, I'll just have 80. I want that discipline. They don't allow you to do that easily. Can you do it? Yes, but you'll have to do the math individually. So for instance, let's say you have a category for eating out and you're setting aside $150 a month for eating out. Okay. This month you spent 180. So you went over $30 in YNAB. It'll show that category to be negative 30. If you roll over to the next month, it'll give you the 150 again. It will not take the 30 away automatically. So you'll have to change the 150 by subtracting the 30 to 120. Okay. So there's a little bit of manual labor there. I don't think it's a don't use it type of feature because again, you can get around it. It just requires a little bit of manual labor and some math. Uh, but I, I love the software itself. One of the greatest features that I love is the reporting. You know, it, it gives you all the information so that at the end of the year, you could look back and see what did I spend on eating out? What did I spend on groceries? What did I spend on utilities? And now you have a better understanding of what you're actually doing. And you could be a realistic setting the next 12 months and what those averages should be so that you're more likely to stick to it. So it's got so many great features. Mm -hmm. It's such a great mm -hmm. software, but it does have some drawbacks and again sometimes it's because of the rules mm -hmm. they're trying to follow their rules they want to have the methodology so they're teaching people a certain way and to stick to those rules they're having to dummy down some things and personally i, I find that a bit offensive <laughs> because i think it should be free for somebody who is better at this or more willing to do the detail work to have those options instead of taking them away uh, but Overall, still would give it a, a thumbs up. I think it's a great software. Yeah, so the pros are that the reporting features are amazing. If you use it for 10 years, you can look at a full 10 years of how much you've spent on housing. You can look at a full 10 years of how much you've given. You can look at a full 10 years of your income. I mean, that is very cool. Yep. It also directly connects to your bank account. So yes. it shows you what's in your bank and what's in your budget. So you can make sure the two are matching right there in the software. You're not having to open up your bank in one tab and open up your software in another tab and try to match them. It's in the tool, which is yeah. pretty cool. It automatically, as soon as you hit import, it automatically logs into your bank, downloads it, the transactions, mm -hmm. and then allows you to assign them, which I love. Mm -hmm. Sometimes with some software we'll talk about later, they automatically assign things and they're not always correct. Right. So I don't like that. 
if it matches it, and, and with YNAB, it matches it and says, hey, this transaction looks like this transaction. And I have to say, yes, accept. Mm -hmm. So it still gives me full control of accepting every transaction, whereas some will just automatically think it's Walmart is shopping. It's like, well, what's shopping? I don't have a shopping category. So my point is, it, it, it's got some really great things in there. But yes, the reporting is great. Uh, the connection to the credit cards, right? If you're mm -hmm. using the credit card for points, but you're using it, obviously, to spend through your budget, this allows you to have multiple cards, uh, different accounts, and tie them into your budget. So I love that. And it's accessible from your phone, mm -hmm. which this allows two people to be using the app at the same time, updating things, adding in receipts or adding in expenses, tracking. Like it, this is so many cool features that we highly recommend YNAB. We do think it's a great software. There's a few features that we wish they would allow people who love to get into the numbers and have a different philosophy to, to access and use. But overall, there are some really cool things about YNAB. Yep. Uh, once again, just on the cons is that you can't see the whole year at one time, mm -hmm. which forces you to think paycheck to paycheck yep. instead of a longer plan for your money, which that feels a little uncomfortable to us. Yep. Um, and so just be aware, Leo already went through how how things don't roll over month to month. And that's a that's a real struggle for us. Um, overall, uh, you know, we love every every company that's creating software to help people live on a budget. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the thing about YNAB is if you take the, their methodology away and just use the principles that we've been teaching to create that budget in a way that makes sense to you and you're assigning those categories, you're assigning every dollar, you're arranging it in a way that makes sense to you. And that's another feature that I love. I can create a category, subcategories, and just drag and drop them wherever I want so that I can lay them out in a way that makes total sense to me. Um, of course allocating it evenly. I can put the information in at the touch of a literally a click. I can multiply what I did last month, this next month, next month. So it's not hard to do. I don't like that I can't see multiple months, but again, I can get around that. And then the last, of course, is that I can make adjustments because it allows me to track every expense. And if I'm looking at it from that perspective, not from the rules and not in the way they're trying to help me to manage my money, we, we've actually taught you guys a deeper understanding of budgeting through these principles. So if you take that information into creating your budget in YNAB, I think YNAB would be a great resource for you. Well, I hope that was helpful to you. Again, we do recommend that whatever software you use, that you just implement these four principles, that you assign every dollar, that you arrange every expense, that you allocate it evenly, and that you adjust as necessary. If you do those four things, if you build that foundation into a budget, you can't go wrong. You're going to accomplish your financial goals, and you're going to have no stress and no anxiety over your finances, and that's a big, big deal. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode. If you've enjoyed this episode or any episode, we would just love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We are at over 200 five-star reviews. I think it's like 221. And we just love for you to continue to add to that because the bigger that number is, the better the algorithm and the more likely that more people will find this podcast. And if it's been helpful to you, we'd love for you to share that. You could also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. And while you're there, find us, follow us, uh, ask questions, interact with us, help us to know how we can serve you better. You can find the show notes to this episode, more content and resources at leosabo.com. And again, you can get that free budget spreadsheet, the yearly budget tool. And there's videos that go along with that that will teach you how to use it, how to create a budget, how to implement the budget, and then how to track and manage it. I also encourage you to go to stewardshippastors.com. This is David's website. 
And David has some great videos and resources on there that he shares with pastors and spiritual leaders in helping and equipping them to educate their own congregations in the area of financial stewardship and money management from a biblical perspective. He's also finishing up a book called Jesus on Money, and I'd love for you to get this book. This is going to be a great resource. I mean, who else would be best to learn from than Jesus himself? He has written so much about money. In fact, David has found over 800 references and scriptures that refer specifically to finances and money management and wealth that Jesus talked about. So that's a lot of information that he's spoken about, and it's about having the right perspective on money. And I think whether you're a Christian or not, this will be a great resource. Well, we want to, again, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we we can can keep keep getting getting money money right. We do recommend that whatever software you use, that you just implement these four principles, that you assign every dollar, that you arrange every expense, that you allocate it evenly, and that you adjust as necessary. If you do those four things, if you build that foundation into a budget, you can't go wrong.